Hello, and welcome to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast, a resilience podcast where we talk about all the challenging things that we're working to overcome, like anxiety, health, and relationship issues. My name is Sarah. Welcome to another edition of the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast. I'm happy to connect with you this week. We're going to move into talking about traveling with neurodiverse children this week. So it's a bit of a different aspect of parenting, but it's great timing as we're coming into the busy holiday season, which many of us are traveling throughout, as well as the winter season where a lot of people try to do their getaways and are maybe interested in some travel. So in terms of our topic, it's estimated that one out of every 44 children falls on the autism spectrum. And then there are also many children that have attention or mood disorders. And up until now, no one has really explained to these children's parents how they can successfully incorporate travel into their families' lives and overcome some of the challenges that they might face. So today we're going to meet Don Barclay, author of a new book called Traveling Different Vacation Strategies for Parents of the Anxious, the Inflexible, and the Neurodiverse. Dawn's book was released in August 2022 and is currently available. Today, we're going to hear her tips for traveling just in time for that winter season that I mentioned and some of the tricks that she's come up with over the years and that can really help you if you're planning a trip with children. So I hope you learn as much from this as I did. There were so many great tips in there that I really think you'll take from this. And enjoy this conversation with Dawn Barclay. So welcome, Dawn, to the podcast. I'm happy to connect with you today. Well, thanks so much for having me. So why don't we start with you providing a little bit about your background and how you got interested in the topic of traveling with neurodiverse kids? Yeah, great. So uh, I grew up the daughter of two travel entrepreneurs. They owned a large, major travel agency in Manhattan with a couple of different branches. And uh, I ran one of those branches for a while. Uh, I grew up traveling everywhere. And uh, when, and then I went into a career that travel trade publications. And so when I had kids, I didn't anticipate traveling being a problem, but they were not as eager or able to travel as I would have liked. They had issues with transitions. I was a travel writer. I figured there'd be a book that could uh, explain to me how to do this better. And unfortunately, no book existed. So I started doing research. I interviewed Dr. Tony Atwood, who's very large in autism circles. I interviewed Dr. Ellen Lippman, who's very large in ADHD circles. And then I kind of hit a wall. I didn't know where to go next because it's not exactly like you can call different uh, mental health professionals and ask to speak to their, their patients. And that's who I really needed to talk to. So it wasn't until 20, after 2017, when a group called IVCCES created a designation called the Certified Autism Travel Professional, that I knew exactly how I could write this book because I could interview these wonderful people. They have spent a lot of time and energy learning how to work with this population. Many of them are special needs parents themselves. Uh, they introduced me to their clients who were interested in speaking with me. Uh, a lot more information available on the internet in 2019 and after than there was in the early 2000s. 
And then I had nothing to do for two years, thanks to the pandemic. So I had time to finally get this book written. Oh, that's great. Well, good for everybody that you were able to write the book and um, and kind of find the path to to being able to find the right people to speak to. So yeah. maybe we can get into some of the issues. What are some of the common issues or challenges in traveling with neurodiverse kids that you were coming across? Well, interesting. IBCCES ran a survey in 2018, um, and they updated it in 2022. In 2018, they interviewed a thousand special needs parents and asked them about travel, and 87% said they would not travel. Of those, 93% said they would if they knew where to go and what to do. And I'm happy to report that that number, 87%, went down to 78% which is a 9% increase in people willing, being willing to travel, even though that's still a huge percentage of people, more than two, three quarters of people with special needs kids don't think they can travel, which is another great reason to um, have written the book. Uh, but it is encouraging. I did ask IBCCES why they felt that the numbers had changed. And they said because of the different um, certifying organizations that now exist and the certifying programs that are now available so that uh, various entities, be they hotels, museums, uh, airlines, uh, whatever, restaurants, can get themselves, uh, you know, educated about what the population needs. Right. Okay. So maybe they're doing things to cater that are making it easier for parents. Yeah, the certifications train the various um, staff members uh, and admin administration in how to deal with um, deal appropriately with people on the spectrum as well as with any sort of invisible disabilities so that they are um, more cognizant of what the needs are and how they can help. That's really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. And and so what are some of the best ways that you've come across in terms of approaching travel? Oh, that's a whole book worth. <laughs> so because I would say like 80% of my book, 80 to 85% of my book are strategies as opposed to itineraries or destinations. So um, I start with starting small, and that's how to introduce the child to the concept of travel. Uh, and that can involve becoming familiar because half of the battle is making the unfamiliar familiar since every child craves routine and predictability. So showing videos of the various aspects of the trip is really important. And whether they're provided on YouTube or sent by the travel supplier, they are available. Every aspect of that trip can be previewed in advance, uh, as well as uh, role play, as well as um, social stories. So that's something that if people are interested, they should um, read books by Carol Gray on how to create those customized narratives in the child's voice uh, to mini experiences. So I, I talk about instead of going on a camping trip, first off, why not set up a tent in the backyard first and have the child experience one night and see where the triggers lie before you spend thousands on a hotel stay, maybe stay at a friend's house for a night or a relative and see what it's like for the child to sleep in a bedroom that's not his or her own. So you'll see where the triggers are, whether it's that they need the blankets and sheets from home with the familiar smell and texture, same thing with toiletries, uh, whether they need a nightlight like they have at home or a fan to drown out noise from the hallway. 
or anything to make the room feel more like what they're used to at home. So I talk about a lot of those mini experiences as well. That makes a lot of sense in terms of all of those little things that you don't as an adult necessarily think of, or, you know, if you're not um, requiring those things as a parent, you don't think of it for your child necessarily. So that's a really good way to look at it. Yeah, I try to think of the book as a checklist of anything you might have to think about in advance. And it's broken up by um, mode of transportation and then type of facility you may stay in and then what to do when you get there. So whatever you're planning to do, I don't expect that anybody's going to read this book cover to cover, but they're going to read the sections that pertain to whatever the trip is this time. And, and hopefully it'll give them a checklist of, of what to do and what to think about. Yeah, that makes sense. And you mentioned modes, and I was interested in that. Are there specific modes of travel that are easier for neurodiverse children and their families versus other? Like, so, you know, is car versus plane, is a cruise, or I mean, a resort isn't exactly a mode, but um, you mentioned camping. Like, are there certain things that you've kind of looked at and you think that would be an easier? You know, again, because it's a spectrum. And that's why autism spectrum right. disorder, it's a spectrum. Every child's different. So it's going to depend on that child. For some people, air, airline travel is going to be, uh, you know, really something they fear. For another family, their child might live and breathe airplanes. And so the, the airplane is right. going to be the highlight. Like a safe space. So yeah. that's why, yeah, I mean, I think that road trips are really great to start with, first of all you're in charge. You can figure out how long or short that trip's going to be. You can decide where the stops are going to be. And it's pretty easy to plan to make sure that you're going to stop at a certain playground or certain parks on the way or something that the child might be particularly interested in, like a special interest museum. You can schedule and structure that road trip to take advantage of all of that. And you can also do the driving when the child's sleeping, if that will work out better. Um, and it also gives you a lot more room in the car for whatever you might need, because you might need to bring a lot of different things, whether it's special foods for the child, if they don't eat, uh, if they're finicky eaters and, and they'll only eat what you bring from home, you're going to want to carry it with you. And you're going to want to make sure that there are supermarkets along the way that might carry what you want to bring. Um, so I, I think that a road trip's a really good way to start. There's some children who love trains. In fact, a lot of children on the spectrum absolutely adore trains. Uh, so that might be a short trip on a train before you book a longer one. Again, it's, it, you know, for me, I loved cruising. Uh, and the beauty of cruising is that the cruises are different lengths, um, different size ships and different destinations. So you can really structure what you want. Um and while the people in the book really varied whether they believed that you should go on a long, uh, you know, a really large ship, like one of these three to five thousand person ships versus a really small ship, um, you can pick what will work for you. The uh, the travel advisors who went for the bigger ships pointed out that because it's so large and there's so much going on, you'll generally get smaller groups in each activity. Um, and there'll be so much offer that there's always going to be something for everyone. Plus the, um, the kids clubs on the major cruise lines have all been trained on how to work with a kids on the spectrum. So you can feel comfortable leaving your child there. 
Oh, wow. Those are really good points. I wouldn't have thought of that, that in a way the larger might be better. The only thing that always strikes me about cruising, and I've never been on one, is I've heard that there can be very long waits to get on and off the ship. And so that's always something that I've thought, oh, I just don't know. Even with just smaller kids when they were littler and I thought waiting is not their strong point. <laughs> um, seemed like Yeah, I, it's a really good point. And that's why it's so great to either um, call the special needs department at mm. uh, Cruise Line or even better call a certified autism travel professional because they have put together group cruises for people on the spectrum. If families want to sort of get together and trade notes and commiserate and, and just have a, a sense of, you know, having found their tribe. Um, but they can also help you if you're on an, an individual on a cruise, they can do things like make the muster drill, which is like the lifeboat drill easier for you, as well as probably helping mm. you with um, getting on and off the ship in a less chaotic way. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So there can be accommodations for yep. for some of those things. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Um, and sounds like it could be really fun for sure. Um, I wondered if there are any specific tools that you recommend in terms of successful travel, like be it, um, you know, how do parents kind of organize themselves and their family maybe to make it easier or um, specific things maybe that you've come across that can be really helpful in terms of looking into different types of trips and where to get started? Well, again, that's the whole book. So, you know, it's, it's a very uh, wide open question. Uh, it's important to think through the trip ahead of time uh, and see where the triggers may lie. So say you have a child that doesn't do well in crowds and doesn't do well with, say, strange perfumes and things like that. Uh, when you have the choice of whether you're going to get from the airport to your hotel by either the free jitney that is provided by the hotel or by a private car or a um, a cab, you're probably going to want to go with the smaller, less crowded option, even if it's more expensive. Uh, so it's that, that thinking ahead. How are we going to go from the moment we leave the house to the moment we get back and break it down and come up with backup solutions? Uh, I'll give an example of one mom who said she was going to go, they were going on a suspension bridge on one of the tours on their trip. And they knew that their son might have an issue with a suspension bridge. So they spoke to the tour guide in advance and said, how do we handle this? And what they had was a golf cart waiting to meet them there. And if the child didn't want to cross the bridge in the Jeep, um, he would go by private golf cart the long way around and meet the party later on. Uh, and that's what's considered, you know, thinking ahead, where might there be a problem? Now, in this case, the child was fine and they didn't need the cart, but thank goodness they had had it there just in case. So it's thinking ahead and really also organizing the trip based on the child's pacing and abilities. So I, I strongly recommend putting together a child-centric vacation uh, that means instead of trying to cram five different stops into a day because you spent this money, you're going to see everything there is to see. Maybe you just see one thing a day and spend the afternoon by the pool or by the television so the child can decompress. It might not be the trip you wanted, but it's the trip that your child's going to perhaps enjoy more and have a fonder memory of. And that's really the point of the trip. 
to create that bonding experience. Um, also really important to have your go-to bag. And I, I talk about the contents of this go-to bag in every chapter, because again, I don't think people are going to be um, reading cover to cover. So you have to have important things like noise canceling headphones and dark glasses and uh, fidget toys and some of your child's favorite snacks that are, um, you know, you don't want anything that's going to go bad, um, but, you know, like animal crackers or whatever it is that your child likes um, and will calm them down. And maybe little presents that they don't expect so that when unexpected um, things come up, like a weight on the tarmac, they get a little prize every half hour that, you know, you're stuck in a plane waiting to take off. So again, this list is um, can be changed to whatever your child likes and especially have electronics with all your child's favorite television shows and movies, because I don't think any, you know, this is a very traumatic thing for many children. So why not take their mind off of it with something they find familiar? Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, this go-to bag, like, I think it sounds great for neurodiverse children, but even children that are not on the spectrum, there's a lot of things in there that would benefit them traveling as well. Oh, absolutely. Everything that's recommended in this book works equally well for children that are neurotypical. I can't see that um, preparing a child in advance and explaining what's going to happen and making them familiar with what's going to happen could be bad. It could mm -hmm. only be good because, again, children love predictability. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and one thing I wondered is, and you touched a little bit on multiple children, but how do you have suggestions in the book about when you're planning a trip and you maybe have multiple children, some that are neurotypical, some neurodiverse, or um, maybe both are neurodiverse? How do you, as a parent, maybe gear your time and your efforts? Is it are you splitting time between the desires of each or how to accommodate both or any thoughts on that? Yeah. The, um, and I can't remember if I have it more in the book or I have it more in uh, the articles I've written since that, that I publish in travelingdifferent.com, which is the blog that updates the uh, updates and supplements the book. But um, I do suggest cruises are a great way that there's enough going on for everybody and the kids clubs can work with both populations, um, but also resorts like Beaches Turks and Caicos and Beaches Jamaica, where again, it's a resort where there's enough going on um, and the children's, the kids clubs are trained for both populations, but both of these suggestions give the parents a break as well. So they can go off and do what they right. want to do too. Um, and I also suggest sports vacations. Uh, it's great to have individual sports for kids on the spectrum because there is no need for social interaction the way there would be in a team sport. So when you have horseback riding at a dude ranch or you have golf or um, ski, adaptive skiing or scuba or snor you know snorkeling and that sort of thing, those are things that can be perfected on a child's own time and effort. Um, but there's something for everybody in the family to enjoy as well. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Cause yeah. And again, I didn't think of that with the cruise, but yeah, if there's a lot going on, it's easier to accommodate everybody. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Um, the other thing, I guess I just thought, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit more about the book. So it's out now, right? It is out now. It's been out since um, 
August 15th. It is available. Well, if you go to travelingdifferent.com, uh, I have a list of where you can order it, but basically it's available through Roman and Littlefield, who are the publisher. It's available through Barnes and Noble, Amazon, um, all the independent bookstores, but you have to go to their online stores because mm. space is at a premium at, uh, on, you know, at these independent bookstores. And also, please request it from your local library because there are people who can't afford it that I'm sure would like to read it and it would be great for their libraries to stock it. Oh yeah, that makes a ton of sense as well. No, that's great. And um, I know we're sort of heading into that fall and then Christmas, holiday travel time. Anything else specific tool and tip-wise that you'd want to give thinking about that chaotic time? Just start planning it now because you need a lot of time to prepare a child, especially a child that's on the spectrum, whether it's um, checking out and researching several destinations, hopefully with your certified autism travel professional, and then offering it up to the child to make a decision because you vetted all those decisions, you know, uh, or the, all those offerings and you're giving them a little purchase and a little power by making the final selection. And then they got to, kind of have a vested interest in the success of the trip. I think whether you're going to go north and go skiing or get involved in winter sports, or you're going to go south um, and get warm is all up to what you and your, your child like. Um, and there's different techniques for both. Um, again, the ski adaptive skiing would be great if you're heading to the colder climbs. And if you're going to the beach and your child has never been to the beach before, Good idea to maybe buy a tarp and some sand at a local craft store and have the child practice walking on sand mm. because it's a new feeling that they may not have experienced and you don't want the first time to be when you're there. But again, if you're planning to travel um, at Christmas or Hanukkah or holiday time, good idea to start planning early and mm. get the book early and, and figure out what you're going to do. Absolutely. No, that makes a ton of sense. And um, I'm sure will be super helpful to people as they're trying to travel and plan any type of trip. And so just again, it's a certified autism travel consultant that we should be looking no. for. Autism, certified autism travel professional. And ah, I, okay. I interview a ton of them in the book. And I list how you can find them and others. Um, there are over 300 of them. Um, and the beautiful part of technology and Zoom is that no matter where they're located, you can have a consultation and they can help you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it doesn't have to be like in your local town or something like that. No. So that's great. Yeah. Um, so besides getting your book, obviously, are there any other key pieces of advice or tips or tools that you'd want to share with the audience? A couple of things. First of all, um, in the book, I list destinations that are either certified autism centers or autism friendly. Now, a certified autism center means that they've gone through the training from IBCCES and it's a standardized training. If they're listed as autism friendly, they may have had standard um, standardized training through a group like Champion Autism Network, Culture City, Sensory City, um, others like that, or they may have just decided to call themselves autism friendly. And so obviously that term means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So I think rather than taking what I've written as gospel, it's a starting point. And what you should do if you're going to go to one of these destinations is call ahead, ask about their training, 
how they earned their training, who they're designated, you know, who did the certification uh, and what they have to offer and make sure what they have to offer is right for your child. And when they offer it is when you'll be there because there are some, you know, museums, for example, that might have a low sensory afternoon, but it's once a month that it might not be the, you know, the one day that you're there. So uh, you want to check that out. The other thing that I want to encourage is that I offer a lot of different solutions for each type of challenge. Um, if one doesn't work, hopefully another will. But this is a work in progress. And, um, you know, keep your mind open to trying new things. And if you come up with a strategy that I've missed, and I'm sure there are plenty of strategies I've missed, um, please email me. My email is in the book. I would love to hear from you. I will publish your comments in my blog and you might be in an updated version of the book. Uh, so, you know, I see this as a big crowdsourcing experiment and I think everybody's experiences are worthwhile and worth including, but most of all, have some grace for yourself. You know, you're trying, which is, you know, congratulations for trying, keep trying and forgive yourself. If one thing doesn't work, another thing might. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like there's lots of places within the book that you can kind of start. But of course, like there's the customization to your child and the different things that work for you. Yes. Okay, that's great. And I really appreciate you kind of explaining about looking into, you know, kind of what the different certifications and things like that mean, because you're right, like, there, it doesn't, a lot of people can say that they know about something, but not necessarily be well trained. Yeah, and you don't want to show up there and find out that just because they said they were autism friendly that they mm -hmm. don't offer what you need. That would just just be heartbreaking. So you want to do your due diligence in advance. Yeah, absolutely. No, that sounds great. Okay, perfect. So I mean, you mentioned the book and where it's available, but what about on social media and where is the blog located and where can listeners find out more about you? Yeah, if you go to travelingdifferent.com, and that's traveling with one L, um, you'll find a copy of this uh, broadcast as, as well as others I've done. You'll find where to order the book. Uh, you will find original content I've written since the book. Um, since nothing just ends when it's press date, things change. Uh, mm -hmm. And um, if people want to book me to speak at uh, their SEPTA, I don't, special needs PTA or their BOCES meetings or any sort of organization. I'm happy to do that locally if they're in the New York area, or I'm happy to do it via Zoom or any way virtually to help you out. Um, so all that information is there as well. Perfect. Okay, that's great. And I will hook up to that website in the show notes so people can even just click away that way and, and find their way to more information. Oh, yeah. My social media is there as well under the okay. press room. There's information because I am on mostly Twitter and Facebook. I'll be honest, I have an Instagram account. I just don't go on it very often. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we all have our favorites. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, perfect. Well, Don, this has been so helpful. And I think a lot of parents will maybe be... Um, calmed by the idea that there might actually be some help out there to do some of the things that they're thinking of, but maybe haven't been able to approach yet. So I, I think this is really a great resource you've created. Well, thank you so much for having me. And um, again, if people have questions, my emails in in the book, happy to respond. 
Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you so much to Dawn Barclay for her time this week on the podcast. There were so many great tips, a lot that I had never heard before and I think is really valuable. She gave a lot of good information about the different kinds of assistance that can be provided, be it by the travel professionals or by the cruise lines, some of the different um ways that you can make a trip work the best for you. So I think her book sounds fascinating and will be really useful for everyone who's trying to plan out that trip and maybe running into some challenges and how to make it work for their family. It also really seems like planning is such a key piece. So as she mentioned, if you are looking to travel over the winter, the time is now to really get to start thinking about how to make that work and and find the resources out there, including her book. So you can find her book and all of her information on travelingdifferent.com. The book again is traveling different vacation strategies for parents of the anxious, the inflexible, and the neurodiverse. So if you want to find out more about these great trips, um, it's it's a wonderful idea. I really loved her go-to bag where she said, you know, she puts everything from noise canceling, headphones to fidgets to presents, dark glasses, snacks, electronics, all the things that you need. I thought that made so much sense. So again, check out Dawn Barclay at travelingdifferent.com. Hope you've enjoyed this episode this week. We'll be back next week with a little bit more around the parenting sphere. And I hope that everyone's enjoying this fall. We've had a great burst of weather here in Ontario that's I'm really wishing would just last throughout the winter, but I know it's going to go away soon, but hoping, hoping that it can last as long as it can. So have a great week and we'll see you and connect with you next week. Are you interested in having a published author speak in your classroom or at your community event? I'd be interested in speaking about my new novel, Pendulum by S.E. German, the writing process, mental health, Panda's Pans, podcasting, and more. Contact me at reallifeprojectco at gmail.com for both in-person and online bookings. Have you read my novel Pendulum by S.E. German yet? If not, what are you waiting for? And if you have, I would love to hear from you. If you don't know about Pendulum, it's a heartwarming story about a young boy who starts to experience neuropsychiatric symptoms after an infection. We follow the boy as he goes through many regular, real middle grade issues like moving, having a crush, playing sports, also while experiencing neuropsychiatric symptoms like anxiety, OCD, tics, panic attacks, and more. If you're interested in checking out Pendulum by S.E. German, it is available through Amazon Worldwide where you can even see a preview of the book or you can listen to chapter one, which is on episode 64 of the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast. I hope you enjoy the novel and thanks for your support. Thank you for listening to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast. Please keep in mind, this podcast is not intended to be medical or professional advice. If you'd like to hear more from me, you can follow me on social media, Instagram and TikTok at Sarah Lady Gluten or Facebook, Sarah underscore Gluten Free Lady. 
You can also visit my website, which includes author information, speaking information, and more info on the podcast at www.se-german.com. If you like the podcast, please feel free to review the podcast on your favorite platform and also subscribe because it means that it will show up for you every week on your favorite podcast platform. Also, we've just started to have the ability to support the podcast. You can find this link in my Instagram bio or visit Kofi, ko-fi.com slash learning to slay the beasts. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.